Good evening, Sportzonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Agliolaro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. Of course, we thank you for joining us on all our various podcasting outlets. So we definitely thank you for joining us, no matter how you're joining us, whether it is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. We thank you for joining us, no matter how you join us. And we got a good show for you tonight. We'll be joined by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. And we have a lot to talk about tonight. We have the NFL, everything going on with the NFL. Of course, um, the owners just voted, so it is official. We will be going to a 17-game season uh, for this coming season here. And we got some reactions uh, from... number three pick uh to the san francisco 49ers to get the 12th pick they got a couple first round draft picks uh over the next couple years in return for that in addition to a third round pick this year and then they traded the 12th pick to the philadelphia eagles moved back up to the sixth spot gave up a first round pick next year to do so uh so we'll get into that obviously we have college basketball to talk about the final four is being decided uh tonight as we are recording this um so we'll get it we'll definitely get into that um i'm trying i'm trying to remember i'm drawing a blank on what teams actually are moving uh have already clinched their spot in uh the the final four so bear with me a second here uh unfortunately i did not get to pay as much attention this year as i would have liked to um or excuse me, this week as much as I would like to. We have basketball to talk about. Obviously, the trade deadline happened last uh, Thursday, I believe it was. It was Thursday or Friday, excuse me. Um, and we'll definitely uh, talk about that. I know I am very interested to hear uh, Dave Hastings' reaction to the deal that the Bulls made, giving up a couple first-round draft picks. Uh, uh, for Nikola Vucevic, they also gave up Wendell... Uh, Wendell Carter and Otto Porter, I believe, um, and two first-round draft picks for Nikola Vucevic and, uh, oh, I can't remember, Aminu, the forward Aminu. Um, so I am looking forward to hearing Dave's opinion on that one uh, because, you know, it's interesting. I don't know how close Dave believes the team is, but the fact that you give up two first-round draft picks, obviously the last few years have been rebuilding years for the Bulls, so you give up a couple first-round draft picks uh, for Vucevic, and I am a fan of Vucevic, and I don't care if Eric pronounces it a different way. This is the way I have heard it pronounced, so this is what we're going with here. Um, so, again, I, I am interested to see what Dave thinks of that. I think he either really likes the deal or he really hates the deal, if i got to be honest. I don't really think there's, there's going to be an in-between on that one. Um, but obviously... The big news, because right after the trade deadline, you have the buyout season that happens. 
Lamarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond, a number of other players were bought out of their contracts or just straight up released. The Nets, of course, a few weeks ago did add Blake Griffin via a buyout. And now they turn around and they pick up Lamarcus Aldridge, who I'm a big fan of Lamarcus Aldridge. I've been a fan of his for a long time. I look at him as, you know, at his best, he was one of the most consistent players in the NBA. He wasn't he wasn't a flashy guy by any sense. He was he was the solid yet unspectacular guy. Uh, he was a guy that if he was playing, you knew you could pencil him down for at least 18 points and nine rebounds a night. But unfortunately, now he's 35 years old and he's two years removed from really being in at least two years removed from at least from really being in his prime. Dude's never even made it. Uh, he's made it a one conference final his entire career because he spent the bulk of his career with Portland. And then unfortunately, he moved to San Antonio when they were um, about to start the decline of their um, their dynasty, as it were. Um, so I know a lot of people have had the, the, the anti-super team reaction again. And I thought Blake Griffin's reaction to that was pretty damn funny. Talking about y'all thought I was done before this and now I go to the Nets and y'all acting like it's the, it's, it's the end of the world. So he said something to the effect of y'all need to make up your mind, which I, I tend to agree with. Because, you know, last week on the show, we're talking about, last week or two weeks ago, we're talking about Blake Griffin on the show. And nobody really seemed impressed. I believe Dave predicted he was going to average five points and three rebounds a day, uh, a game. And now we're acting like it's, it's the end of the world. So that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, will the five of them now, five of them, now, ever be on the court at the same time is the question because we got to wait a week for Aldridge to get himself back into game shape here. Um, so, I mean, that's the big question. We still don't know when Durant is coming back. I know Kyrie, I, um, I believe he played last night, so he's been back in the lineup. Um, Harden playing like an MVP uh, since he got to Brooklyn. But, I mean, listen – the thing with James Harden is we know how he plays in the regular season. I don't know that anybody should truly be impressed by how he's playing in the regular season because it's not about the regular season for James Harden. It's are you going to show up and play like this come the postseason? When we get in the later rounds of the playoffs, is he going to be playing like an MVP or is he going to disappear like he always does? That's the question. That's the question. That's all anybody should be concerning themselves with when it comes to James Harden. And just to clarify, Gonzaga and Baylor have made the NCAA Final Four. Tonight's games, which, of course, I don't think I'm going to be able to... Uh, where is it? just want to make sure I got these matchups right. I'm going by my bracket, which probably ain't a great idea. Um, Just one second here. Tonight's games are, oh, I got this totally wrong. All right. UC, USC takes on Gonzaga tonight. UCLA takes on Michigan tonight. The two teams that have already made <clears throat> the final four are Houston. They beat Oregon State yesterday, and Baylor beat Arkansas, number three ranked. 
So that's that's what we got right here. Um, well, you know, while we're waiting for Dave and Eric, um, I, I guess the, the news of the day, um, the Mets and Francisco Lindor, uh, it's very interesting thing here. Um, so the Mets basically staked their entire offseason to the fact that they acquired a young superstar in Francisco Lindor. Um, and they got him on the cheap. It was, it was a pretty, you know, it was a good deal. They didn't really give up that much. Uh, I like Andre Jimenez as a player, but not one of those guys has the potential that Lindor has shown throughout his career. The fact that he's got 330 home run seasons, everything he's done to this point, not one of them is even close to that. And they tethered this entire offseason to the notion that they got Francisco Lindor. And I say they tethered him. They, they tethered the offseason to him because you look at everything else they did. They didn't really pursue JT Real Muto. They made an offer to him, but they were not prepared to wait as long as they thought he was going to take to accept the offer. So they signed James McCann. I was fine with that. I was never really convinced about Real Muto. They go after Springer, but they don't want to up their offer to what Springer eventually signed for, which I believe was six years, $175 million. Fine. Okay, we've talked about it. He's had some more. We'll get into this all a little bit later. We'll get into this all a little bit later because now we have Dave Hastings here tonight. How you doing, Dave? Doing good, Mike. Doing good. How are yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, so in terms of where we start off with tonight, um, well, I tell you what, because you are here, I want to talk NBA a little bit. And your Bulls were active at the trade deadline. As I, and I, as I texted you on Thursday, I am very intrigued to hear your reaction to the acquisition of Nikola Vucevic by the Chicago Bulls. They got him and Al Farouk Aminu, I believe is who they got. They gave up two first-round draft picks, Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter Jr. One of them's a junior. Maybe not both of them are juniors. I don't know. But I was very – at least one of them is a junior. They might both be for all I know. I don't know. This is your team, not mine. Um, but I was very intrigued to hear what you thought about this deal because I, I know you've been, you've been happy with the Bulls' progress, but this is kind of a win-now move where you give up two first-round draft picks for a guy in Vucevic, who I like Vucevic. He's a good player. Do you look at this as the type of move that puts you over the top and makes you in a position where you're going to keep competing, or are you a little disappointed with this? I mean, you know, it still feels a little too early to tell. Um, okay. You know, they haven't won a game since they made the trade for him. Oh, that's good. Um, also, this week they get to play the Nets, the Lakers, and the Clippers. So oh, That'll uh, be fun. I, yeah, so I don't expect them to probably get a win this week either. Um, so, I mean, they could basically start off 0-5 after making the trade, but, you know, it's – immediate gut reaction is why would you give up two first-round picks when you are not a team good enough to compete with the best teams in the league? That's, that's kind of where I thought you'd go. That, that was my initial reaction. They don't draft bad. I mean, 
They tend to hit pretty well on their draft picks. Maybe not, you know, haven't really uncovered a superstar, but like, I really like Kobe White. I mean, marketing who I thought was a good pick, but sounds like they might let him go. He's due up for a contract next year. So I just, I don't know. Like it's a very torn feeling mainly due to the fact that I'm sitting here thinking on one side, all right, you paired up another all-star with Zach Levine, but like, both of them are just all-stars. Neither of them are, you know, all-NBA first or second team. Maybe right. second team. Maybe. Could so, be. you know, I, I mean, yeah, really kind of just I, – I look, if everything works out and they pull off the playoff spot and, they, you know, they see that these are, you know, Vucevic and uh, Levine are guys they can build around, like, all right, cool, let's roll with it. Let's see what we can do. But – it, it's too it's too early to tell, and there's not enough that would make me think that's the case, and that's the sad part. Because like I love Kobe White, but that, I mean I don't, you know he was out last night against Golden State, which I think hurt them. Mm. Um, you know Steph Curry also going off the way he went off, so that you know that hurts any team that plays against them. Sure. You know, but yeah, so it's a little too early to tell to really like have like I like I'm not high strung emotional about the trade. Okay. They made like I'm not like like I'm not angry about it. I'm, I'm more kind of like, all right, this is kind of a wait and see. Like I just there's no way for me to tell. But instant gut reaction was, why would you trade two picks away for a guy that at best is you know third you know all NBA third team? Like at best, if he's lucky. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of where I went. All right, that's fair. And you, you've never struck me as the type who uh, gets gets so angry that he's throwing shit around the room. To quote Stuart Scott, you are usually as cool as the other side of the pillow. I, so. I'm, I'm pretty decent at it. I mean, you've also never watched the Cowboy game with me. That that That's been... No, but I remember your reaction, and I, I know you were happy you were wrong about this. I remember your reaction when they uh, made the trade down and took Travis Frederick rather than taking... Uh, Eric Reed at safety. I remember yeah, that. But Dallas is just not a team that actually invests truly in a safety position. Apparently not. Apparently and, not. But yeah, and with the Bulls, really, dude, it, it, it's definitely something where I, I have to be open and, and admit the fact that I just I just feel it's too early to tell. And I'm That's not going to get angry about it, but I'm also not, you know, sitting here jumping for joy like oh shit look who Dallas you know who Chicago got like you know all amped up about it like I'm not you know that's also not my reaction yeah that's that's perfectly fair because truthfully I saw both sides on that one um well and I definitely saw the main side because my reaction was wow that's a lot for a Bulls team that's not going to be this isn't going to put them in that elite stratosphere that's a lot to give up so that, that's why I shot you the text when I saw it. But moving on from this, and obviously we'll talk about the aftermath of the trade deadline, but the trade deadline moves themselves. Was there anything else that really stood out to you? I mean, I think I think Aaron Gordon, uh, his trade, I, I think that was a steal for, um, was it Utah? No, he went to Denver. Or he Denver, went to sorry. Denver. Yeah, yeah. Like I thought, that was a, a nice trade for Den Denver. I mean, they're gonna have to pay the kids, so you know. Yeah. 
Now, now is he a free situation? But I, I like that Aaron Gordon trade. I thought, you know, Rondo going to the Clippers was pretty interesting, even though, you know, he's still battling in, injury. Um, but the, the buy the buyouts that that's that that to me was the, the news that stole the story of uh, the trade deadline. Yeah, that's that's very true, and I, I guess we'll go there now. I know Eric's on his way; he should be joining us in a few minutes here. Um, the buyouts were definitely uh, the the high point of talk around the NBA, at least for the last few days here. Um, so Lamarcus Aldridge gets bought out by the San Antonio Spurs. In the midst of the worst season of his career at the age of 35, hasn't played since March 1st, I believe, signs with the Brooklyn Nets about two weeks after they signed Blake Griffin. And, of course, Andre Drummond signed with the Los Angeles Lakers after he was released by the Cavaliers. But all anybody wants to talk about is this, quote-unquote, super team we have in Brooklyn here. And I want to I start this off by saying, you know, I there's no bigger LaMarcus Aldridge fan than myself. And to answer your question, yes, he was a long-term member of my fantasy basketball teams for a long time. I don't know that I would call him a Hall of Famer. Paul Pierce, first ballot Hall of Famer. LaMarcus Aldridge, I don't know. I LaMarcus Aldridge, I don't know if I would put in that category because what I always loved about LaMarcus Aldridge for a very long time. There was no more consistent front court player in the NBA than LaMarcus Aldridge. You're a solid but unspectacular guy. You knew when he was on the court, he was going to give you 18 points, 19 rebounds, and throw in a block. Some nights he'd give you a little bit more, but he'd never give you less than that. That was the appeal of him to me. Dude's never, or excuse me, dude has only been to one conference championship in his entire career because he got stuck playing on Portland for a long time. And then he went to San Antonio at the tail end of the dynasty. If LaMarcus Aldridge is the LaMarcus Aldridge we all know and love, then yes, this is a steal for Brooklyn and all this outrage is completely justified. I don't know that we're getting the LaMarcus Aldridge that everybody thinks we're getting now. Now, for, for his sake, I kind of, I, I kind of want to see it because, you know, Eric's called the Nets the most hated team in the NBA since the Harden deal, and he's right about that. I like LaMarcus Aldridge, one of the good guys in the NBA. Like I said, he's had a long career, and he's been on some, he was on some really bad Portland teams for a while there. If there's anybody in the NBA I'd love to see make a run in the championship, it'd be him. But the idea that you put LaMarcus Aldridge at the age of 35 in the midst of the worst season of his career on the Brooklyn Nets with Blake Griffin, who is also in the midst of one of the worst seasons of his career, and Irving and Harden and Durant, if he ever gets back on the court, and you got a guaranteed team that's making the finals. I don't know if I'm with everybody on that one. Yeah, see, I, I, I get what you're saying about where Aldridge is at, but Blake Griffin's look pretty good. Um, well, I, 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 I'm sorry to cut you off. I knew he wasn't averaging five and three. I knew that wasn't happening. I mean, but, you know, and Aldridge isn't going to be asked to play a lot. Yeah. You know, he's going to be asked to do eight to 12 minutes a game. They'll probably, you know, work him in slowly. Like, I think for Aldridge, it's a good setup because he doesn't have to be, you know, a very important part of the team. He just has to, you know, give some minutes, grab some boards, make a couple jumpers. Like, that's really all they're looking for him to do. So, you know, a pick and roll game with his ability to hit that, you know, 12 to 15 foot jump shot is, is a dangerous thing. And with guys like Harden and Kyrie, like, 
you could run that all day. I mean, there's really no way to stop it. You either give up the jumper to Aldridge or you like Kyrie or Harden drive. Like there's really just, there's no win. Mm. So, I mean, I just think it's, it is a scenario where, you know, I don't, I, I'm not sure how clearly you remember this, but we all went into the other, uh, was it this, I think it was last season. Yeah. Last season. We all went into last season all hyped up, like, hey, each no team has more than like two really good players. Like this is yeah. a great, you know, season. Obviously, we know what COVID did, and then you had the dome, which still gave you some pretty damn good basketball, for being honest. Sure. Um, you know, and then you know, all of a sudden, it's like this year, it's just back to what we saw. You know, now you now you have four to six all stars on the Nets. You have you know four or five all-stars on the Lakers. You have the best player in the world on the Lakers. You have arguably the hardest two players to guard one-on-one in the league on the Nets. Like, it's – I mean, we all – at this point, we're all sitting here, and it's just like, you know, years back when we were like, it's going to be LeBron's team versus the Warriors. And we just knew it. Like, there there was no question. It was a matter of how long it took to get there. And to me, we're set. It, we're being set up for the same experience, and that just it just takes away from the excitement of the season. I mean, I get it as a Knicks fan. Knicks are tied for the four seed right now. That's unbelievable. Like that's great, but you're not going to beat the Sixers in seven games, and you're not going to beat the Nets in seven games. Though the city of New York, or the state of New York, I should say, would love a Brooklyn uh, Knicks, you know, Eastern Conference Finals. Talk about money. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I'll say this. I, I get the point. And, yeah, obviously, when you put Harden with Irving and um, Durant, yeah, the idea of just the NBA that looks a little more balanced, definitely that shifts the balance of power. But, you know, I look at the Nets right now, and, you know, I thought Blake Griffin's reaction to all the outrage was perfect. It was something to the effect of, y'all thought I was done. And now I sign with the Nets and you act like the world's going to end. Like, make up your mind. I kind of, I kind of, I, I liked that because he's right. Everybody was saying Blake Griffin was done a few weeks ago. And then he goes to the Nets and Aldridge goes to the Nets. And now it's, oh my God, the world's going to end. And the Nets haven't proven every, anything yet. What have we proven? Harden's a great regular season player. We know he's a great regular season player. We've seen it. He's won the MVP award twice. Is he going to show up in the postseason, though? That's the questions that dogged him the entire time he was in Houston. So yeah, I'm, he, ne- he never, ever had a cast that could take the load off his shoulders like he does now. I mean, agreed, but you still had Chris Paul. You still had... Um, Oh, who was the one before? Uh, you still had Russell Westbrook there. I mean, it's not like he was playing with nickel and dime guys the whole time. Like, yes, was he playing with a Kyrie or Kevin Durant? No, but he was playing with guys who have been championship caliber players on other teams. Like Trevor Ariza is a team that everybody falls over themselves to get because he's a championship caliber player and he makes any team better. He's not a superstar, but he's one of the glue guys. Now, you want to say that, all right, the Nets, and we talked about this when the Harden trade happened. 
For years, you talked about how the Nets were building the team the right way. They were using the cap space as a weapon and building and acquiring all these assets and these young players. And in one fell swoop, that all completely went down to fucking drain. And now we're in on the superstar level players. But I still don't know that this team is guaranteed an NBA final spot. Now, obviously, when you got Philadelphia, who also hasn't proven anything and has fallen on their face many times, same thing with the Bucs. We all thought the Bucs were making the finals last year. They fell flat on their ass in the bubble last year. You have a lot of teams in the East that have not proven anything, and they all need to get over the hump. The idea that Aldridge and Griffin catapult them to the next level, because I don't think any of us believed that Harden, Durant, and Irving was going to win a championship on their own. So the idea that these two are going to catapult them to the next level, it could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't. Nothing's been proven yet, though. I agree, but right now on paper, I mean, come on. I mean, well, I'm also going to quote something Eric said a few weeks ago when talking about Blake Griffin. If we're going by his stats six years ago, yeah, okay. If all of them are right, I'm not disputing what it means. The NBA really does need to do something about this buyout season, though. I will fully admit to that because the idea that a team can't get anything for a player so they just up and release him and he's eligible to sign with another team once he clears waivers. Like, it started out with guys that didn't really matter, but now when you got this big, these big names on the market, a Drummond, a Griffin, an Aldridge. And we saw the same thing in the bubble last year with the whole signing period that happened before the restart happened. It's getting a little out of control. I can agree with that. Yeah, it, it's, I don't know. To me, it's one of those, they have to find a way to keep the ba- uh, the competition more balanced. I, I, I don't know. That, that's just how I feel. I, I, I get it, like, it's not, you know, super teams that have been around for a long time, but I mean, there is a such thing as overkill, and I feel like that's what we're seeing happen, and it just won't go away, and and nobody gives a shit, basically. Uh, it definitely looks that way right now. Uh, it, it'll be interesting sounds to like see I if feel. The... Okay, it sounds like I feel. All right, and with that, Eric Tressler is here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Eric, how you doing? Uh, I was doing good. The day was going so good. I was I was like, all right, I was sending you guys lots of memes. I was like getting ready, like getting my mind ready for the show. And then at the end of the day, as life does, kicks you right in the dick. So here I am <laughs> to enjoy uh, the rest of the night with you fellas. But, uh, such, a, yeah. such a way with words as always. I'm a poet. I'm, I'm, I, I have an unbelievable vocabulary. That's what people don't really know about me. Is I'm much more well spoken than than I come off as. But yeah, <laughs> I don't really, I don't really know where to go from there. So I will say yes, yes, and I hope your nether regions are okay. Talking about this, he sounded, he sounded like somebody just kicked this puppy. Well, we're talking, we're talking about the buyout season. We talked a little bit about the NBA trade deadline, LaMarcus Aldridge signing with the uh, Brooklyn Nets, Andre Drummond going to the Lakers. 
all the outrage that came from that. Real quick, real quick. I don't have a lot to say on that stuff, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on my thoughts. My my thoughts are these guys are just older guys who are looking to chase a chip. I I, I can't fault Drummond for picking the teams he picked or, or Aldridge for picking the teams they picked. Or, or even Griffin, you know, like they're they're trying to chase a ring. They're gonna go where somebody wants them, and you know, that's what you do. It kind of reminds me. I saw a meme. I don't know if I sent it to you guys or not, but it reminds me of that Lakers team where they picked up like Carl Malone and Gary Payton, and like, you know, it just it's that kind of feel. It's the uh, although I don't love the buyout stuff because I think that that's a whole bunch of horseshit and nonsense. I wish there was a different way that they could go about it. Like a team sure. just outright cuts a guy or something rather than like this whole bullshit, like trying to trade him and wave him or whatever. I don't know. They gotta they gotta figure out a better system than the, the one they have now. And I gotta be honest, I don't really have any suggestions off the top of my head. So I'm not gonna go any deeper on it. I just think they gotta come up with something better. Um that's kind of yeah. where we were going before you came on, yeah. too. So um I, I tell you this. I think it's funny, Eric, you may remember this. You know the first buyouts I remember? About 25, 24 years ago, the guy I remember getting bought out so much that they had to change the rules of eligibility for him, Herb Williams. Herb Williams was a guy the Knicks traded three times. He would get released by the team he was traded to each time, and he'd sign back with the Knicks just in time for the playoffs. Eric, you remember that? Vaguely, I do remember her Williams. I do not remember all his traits. Oh yeah, he was traded in. I don't know if it was three, but I know he definitely next Knicks played him like a yo-yo to the point where the reason why there's a cutoff date is because of him. Like the cutoff date, if you say you got to sign a player by this date for him to be playoff eligible, he's the reason that rule got instituted. All right. Yeah. Um, Drop and a little I t- knowledge there, Mike. Thank you, thank you. Um, well, I also, uh, it, it's a nice little segue, because uh, I do want to talk about the Knicks with you a little bit there, Eric. Um, remember that tagline you've been saying for a while now about how this is, this is great to see the Knicks, and isn't it great how Dolan has stayed out of the headlines? See, we all knew when the Knicks were good that Dolan would stay out of the headlines. Remember that? Listen, he has. If you're going to bring up the Ewing ship from a couple... No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. I told you I didn't blame Dolan for that one. No, I'm talking about last week. A fan a fan comes into MSG with a band Dolan shirt on him. Oh, yeah. And security is ordered to throw him out. Yeah, because, again, you're just tired of getting kicked. You're just tired of it. You are a grown man who is worth more than anybody else who steps into your building. That doesn't Combined. Mean, that doesn't mean that his feelings don't matter. That don't mean his feelings get kicked aside. I'm sorry. And the guy happens to own the team and he happens to own the building. And you're I'm a sorry. public figure. You're a public figure. Have don't have you, such soft feelings. In my house with a Ben Eric shirt on, they're probably not going to last very long in my house either. Is that person paying a hundred dollars to be in your building? That maybe, maybe they brought something to the party. I ain't giving it back. If it was a they good bottle, it's a nice t- bottle of wine. I ain't giving it back. I, I was going to go with Tito's, but okay, that's fine. Regardless, whatever you want to go with, I, you ain't getting your bottle of liquor back. Get the fuck out of my house. Like, it's, it's that simple. Like, yeah, yeah, how stupid are you? Like, it's just stupid. It's just being provoked. He's trying to provoke something. 
that fan is going there in that shirt to get his 15 minutes of fame. And that's all it is. And that's why I don't feel bad for the fan at all. He wasn't there to be a good fan and to go root the team on. And then if they were losing or something else happens, then listen, you turn and, you know, the fans start booing and stuff happens and I get it. But if you're going to show up when the team is above 500 for the first time and I don't even, I can't remember, 2012 probably? It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a, it's been a long while. 2014, I don't know when it was. They've been in the doldrums forever. People have been dying to get him out. And now this is what you're going to do. He finally gets you out. He finally brings in the right people, steps aside. You don't hear from him. And then you got to still kick him. I'm sorry. I have zero sympathy for that fan who just wanted his 15 minutes of fame. Well, listen, I will say this. Um, I think I, I just think it's a horrible look for Dolan, and I feel like this is what Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau have to fight. What is right, that? Before we bring Dave in, I want to say one thing real quick, because I have some experience in this type of arena, because in 2015, when the Mets were in the World Series, I still had to listen to people saying, uh, Will Ponds need to sell the team. I will agree with you that this fan just did this for some publicity and picked a wrong time to do it. But I still feel how I feel, and Dolan should have just fucking, you know, go, go, go look, do a Scrooge McDuck into your money. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't think dude should be as uh, Dolan should be as sensitive as he was. Um, getting the guy, I think, right? The guy got kicked out, if I remember correctly. Mm. Well, he had the option of uh, wearing a free T-shirt over the shirt, or um, or leaving, and he chose to leave. Yeah, see, that's on the guy. I, I mean, look, they, they they're willing to work with you, so I, I mean, I'll, I'll say that that's on him. But I, I will have to say, I, I mean, Dolan being that sensitive, like, dude, you, you have enough money that you can wipe your ass with what most of the people in your building make for every year. So, mm -hmm. you know, guess what? Part of being in the spotlight, part of being, you know, in, in it, that realm of finance and all of that stuff. Like when it's all said and done, that is Hollywood actors go through the same thing. You know, politicians. But it doesn't make it right. Just because it happens elsewhere doesn't make it right. I'm and not saying that it's right. I, I'm just saying that when it's all said, like, look, if he just straight up kicked the guy out, I'd have a much bigger problem. But what it, the sounds of it is that they try, try to say, hey, like, we, we can't allow you to wear that shirt in here. So you can either take it off uh, or you can leave. And the fact that they gave him the option at least shows a... a to me, a, a level of maturity higher than what you're seeing with um, the fan. So, I, I mean, that's that's kind of what you're hoping for and what, what I'm trying to get at. But at the same time, I mean, it, it, it's it, you can go after people and say that's defamation. Like you could like if Dolan wanted to be a true dick, like he could really be that much of a dick. Um, and, and I just think that's that's kind of where you got to give him some credit is at least he, he didn't go to a point where like you technically and legally could pursue defamation in that setting. So, it, you know, that that's a situation where, you know, he could have handled it worse than he did. I, I just I, I don't feel bad for Dolan. Like, I, I don't feel bad for the fan either. Like they gave you the choice. You chose to leave. That's on you. Defamation, huh? I'm just saying you could take it that far. I mean, that'd be insane, but you could. Okay. All right. 
Fair enough. Listen, y'all know my thoughts on this one, so I will let this one go on that one. Me and Eric have a difference of opinion. That's fine. I just wanted to at least mention this tonight. Let's move on here. Uh, I don't know if you guys were able to see any of the college basketball this weekend. Unfortunately, I was not able to, but you know, we got two games going on tonight. Number six, USC taking on Gonzaga. And then a little later on tonight, and I have to find it again because I, I just had it. Uh, UCLA, the 11 seed, takes on Michigan, the number one seed in uh, that division. What do you guys think of the games this weekend? Eric, I'll start with you. They were good. They're entertaining. Um, they're not any of the games that I picked. Like, I was, I was hoping that, you know, some other teams are going to win, but, you know. I've been a little wrong, but the one thing I've been right about, and I guess I'm going to continue to be right about, is when asked, everybody's like, well, when the whole thing started, and you guys were like, well, who do you think's going to win? I think I said Gonzaga, and it's really yeah. because it's just been such a crazy year, and this is a team that's undefeated. They've come through all the craziness and have stuck together and have won through all of it, and they just seem like that special team this year, and I'm, I'm going to ride with them. I'm going to pick them over USC, which is probably the kiss of death tonight for them. But because uh, USC's been really hot, too. Pac-12 has actually had a really good showing in the NCAA tournament this year. Well, better than the Pac-12 or, or – uh, not the Pac-12. Uh, doing, Pac-12 Big is doing better than the Big Ten or the Big 12 uh, is what I meant to say. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. Dave, go ahead. I'm going to be honest, man. The the biggest thing I have right now from college basketball is that UConn-Oregon game in the women's basketball. Um, oh, that was I, great. I, I don't know. Like, look, I cannot stand referees, you know, deciding who wins and loses a game. But the refs blew a call at towards the end of that game. And Oregon at least should have gotten two free throws. And I can't believe that they didn't. And I, and I, I do feel like they got robbed of a chance to win that game. That mm. that that just stuck out to me, man. I, I saw the replay of that. I saw slow motion captures, and I was just like, I, "How do you how do you miss that?" As a as even a Bron Bron mentioned something about it. I think. Can you guys can you guys tell me because I didn't get a chance to see the highlights on it. D- describe the play to me. I mean, very simply, this girl. Um, oh my god, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I'm so sorry because she was killing it. This girl was going off last night and. With less than like ten seconds left, makes a move to the hole, goes goes up for a fa- kind of like a uh, a jump shot, and the I think it was two or three different defenders from UConn, you know, go to try to defend the shot, and you know one of them tries to stay vertical, they don't do a good job of that. Um, you know, one other girl comes down with her arm and definitely hits the girl on the elbow before she even releases the ball. Uh, I mean, I I genuinely do not understand how there was no foul called on that play. It was it was pretty egregious. Well, another case of uh, the referees giving the opinion, or at least the appearance, that something's fixed here. Because you know, obviously, I've heard about this all day. Can UConn been in like every Final Four for? You guys can tell me. It sounds like they've been in every Final Four for like the last fifty years. So it, it feels that way. But Oregon, who they beat last night, is the team that won the national championship last year. Mm. 
So, like, it, it's not like, you know, I mean, UConn, I think, was on a run of winning, like, four or five in a row or uh, something crazy. So, like, yeah, like, people are, you know, you're, what you're hearing is insane. But at the same time, like, that 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 is, like, Eric said it best. It was egregious. I don't know how you missed that call. I really mm. don't. I miss the days of Pat Summit run, running up and down the sideline for uh, Tennessee. She was great. Rest in she peace. She was. She could have coached the men. She was one of the one of the. Oh yeah. I really believe she could have coached on either side. No, I, I I'll give you that absolutely. She had such fire and passion seeing her on the sidelines. Man, she was fantastic. She would have punched a referee. Uh. I, anyway, I think. Oh, go ahead. I think the coach Morgan almost punched the referee. Like, <laughs> Like it, it was it was it was a bad missed call. What are you saying, Eric? No, no, no. Oh. Gotcha. Okay, as long as you're enjoying the conversation. Um, moving on though, I I did want to bring up something that Eric had said um has said a couple times over the last couple weeks here because looking at the weekend here, Oregon State the 12 seed beat Lo- Loyola Chicago the 8 seed. But other than that, I know Eric. Huh? Bullshit. Bullshit. Sorry. Bull- oh, you said that. Oh, okay. Yeah, Surprising. Yeah, yeah, Sister Jean. Sister Jean. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, the one thing I wanted to bring up here is Oregon State, or excuse me, UCLA tonight is the last double-digit seed standing in this tournament. It looks like there's been a little bit of a course correction because I know Eric has said. That as a result of the way the season played out and the uneven schedules and not everybody playing the same games, it seemed like they didn't really know how to seed each other. And I just wanted to know, Eric, given the fact that now all the double-digit seeds have been defeated, and I, I do think UCLA is going to lose tonight to Michigan, just because Mi- Michigan was actually my pick to win the championship in my broken bracket. So I'm going I'm to stick with them, and I'm going to say they're going to win tonight. Do you think now we're definitely seeing the cream of the crop rise and that maybe teams weren't as unfairly ranked as maybe we originally thought? No, I definitely still think there was problems with the rankings. Um, I'm going to believe that no matter what. Um, But I do think that you're seeing the cream rise to the top. These are also the teams that are getting hot at the right time. Mm. And with an odd year, you know, who knows if these teams would have gotten hot in the middle of the season and not now. It's just such a weird, weird year. And and any team who wins a championship this year, it's like winning a championship in any other sport that we've talked about. It's it's a special kind of team. There's no asterisk to it. Like, you, you had to overcome things that no other season and no other teams have had to necessarily overcome um, to win. So... I just think that you're you're seeing a different year, a different season, and we just kind of got to enjoy it for what it is. And I think right now Gonzaga to me is that team that just seems to be clicking on all cylinders and and has been all all year. So I'm um, I'm gonna keep rolling with them. Okay, fair enough, Dave. You got a final thought? Just keep on watching, man. Uh, you 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 will not see more passionate and 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 caring and and just emotional investment into basketball than you will when you watch the NCAA tournament, men or women. does not matter. You will not see a more passion about the game and love for the game than you see in this. I got a question for you guys, though. All right. Let me ask you this. Riddle me this, Batman. Do you think that call was so bad in the Baylor game with UConn that 
UConn maybe gets knocked off here in their next game, maybe with a blown call, maybe a couple calls don't go their way next game to try to balance things back out because people kind of kind of knew that that didn't look right. Yeah, but I, 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 I don't want to think that, but the tinfoil hat is welcome to hop on my head if it needs to. <laughs> I mean, I'll say this. I feel like it would. I, it depends on the situations because I feel like if they're really bad calls that get missed or go back in their direction, I don't feel like. I feel like he cut out, so I'm going to jump in here and, <laughs> and just say that, you know, I think with these calls, it's just you kind of got to you got to roll with it. It's it's going to happen for the realm of possibility. You know, huh? Nope, there he is. Keep going. Oh, yeah, oh I cut out? Mike, you don't want to start over. You cut out right when you were about to start talking. Oh, fantastic. Uh, all I was saying was I think it would depend on the situation because I feel like depending on the situations, if it's like really obvious blown calls or calls that otherwise don't go in their favor, I don't feel like you would need a tinfoil hat to think that. I feel like it would no, be more common Mike, sense. You know as well as I do that there are multiple calls in the game. Well, sure. Either way, you could call it, you could not call it. I'm just saying that maybe next game they find a way to mix in some of those calls that you could go, all right, I can see it that way, or all right, like, you know, that's borderline. Those borderline calls, I could just see them not going UConn's way next game. That's all I'm saying. Well, listen, I'm not going to pretend it's outside of the realm of possibilities because it could definitely happen. I, I just think it would depend on the situation. And something like this. Happened 10 seconds, Dave, you said less than 10 seconds left in the game, right? Yeah. So, like, when do you start thinking you need to course correct on UConn here? Do you start thinking at the end of the half if you think they're starting to pull away? Do you start minute thinking one. about it in minute one? <laughs> minute I think, one. I mean, if you're doing it that early, someone's going to pick up on it. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I think they you have though. to, I think you have if to strategically plant them in. If you do it by the book and the judgment calls just don't go UConn's way, you can't say anything about it. And that's the only way you're going to stop UConn. They're, they're an unstoppable force. Mm. If you don't stop them in the first half, there, there's no chance you're going to – a couple calls are going to screw it in the second half. They're going to be up 40 by now. Well, you know what I do now. Regardless of whether it happens or not, I feel like the jury's already out on this one. And if you're coming up with this, you can't be the only one who's coming up with this. So I feel like everybody's going to be watching that game very closely to see everybody how the refs their, play. Get their tinfoil hats ready. Scan yeah, get your tinfoil. You don't need the toilet paper and the bottled water anymore. Get your tinfoil. All right. Um, well, final thought on this. I just want some predictions here because we got Houston and Baylor in the final four already. USC taking on Gonzaga, like you said already. Gonzaga's up 29 to 15, 820 left in the first. And then at 10 o'clock tonight, you got Michigan taking on UCLA. Eric, you already picked Gonzaga to win. Uh, Michigan. I'm picking, I'm picking Michigan, too. You're picking I'm Michigan? Dave, yep. who you got? Yeah, I got to match those two picks. All right. And so, Eric, you got Gonzaga winning it all. By my counts here, Gonzaga would be taking on Michigan in the final four. I'm still sticking with Michigan on that. Uh, it would be Baylor and Houston in the other bracket. Who you got, Baylor, Houston? Give me Baylor. Baylor? Dave, who you got? 
Uh, just to be different, I'll take Houston. You'll take Houston, Gonzaga, yeah, Michigan. Who you? Gonzaga, Michigan. Who you got? I'm going Gonzaga. Gonzaga. All right. Uh, between these two, I would pick Baylor. And Eric, you said Baylor too, right? Yeah. Okay. So your final four would be Eric. Excuse me. Your championship game would be Gonzaga and Baylor, and you yeah. got Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, Dave, you would have Gonzaga and Houston. Who you got? Gonzaga. Gonzaga. All right. Now I, I already said I thought Michigan would win the whole thing, so I'm I'm sticking with that. All right. So we'll move on here. We'll move to football. And I, I feel like the biggest story of the week, I mean, I don't really feel like there was a lot of movement on the Deshaun Watson front. We're still kind of at the same place we were at last week on that, so we don't need well, to talk I, I about it. I don't know. I mean, he's got, what, 19 cases now? Yeah, but when we came to air last week, there were 24 accusers and only 14 filed lawsuits, but we knew it was moving in that direction. So that's why I said I don't really feel like anything's moved forward. We haven't heard anything about any investigation going on. We haven't heard anything about the defendants filing affidavits or anything. We know they were supposed to do that, but we don't know anything that's happened with that yet. So I just, I, I'm kind of in a wait and see approach on that, but I feel like the biggest story of the week outside of that, the dolphins making moves on Friday, they trade the number three overall pick in this year's draft to the 49ers to get the 12th pick back 2021 third rounder and first round picks in 2022 and 2023, and then the Dolphins trade that 12th pick, their fourth round pick this year, and a first round pick next year, and they get the sixth overall pick and a fifth round pick from the Eagles. So, what do you guys think of this? I think the Dolphins made out pretty good here. I was kind of confused as to why the 49ers would make this move here. What do you guys think uh, on this one? And Dave, I'll start with you. I mean, I think, you know, for the Eagles, they move back to a spot where it lets you know that they're definitely going to roll with Hurts this year. Um, there might be a small part of them that hopes that that uh, phenom tight end that's coming out might fall back to them. Pitts, um, I think. Yeah, like, so I think that's kind of one of the main things that you take out of that, where, you know, I think the Dolphins um, really, like, their GM right now is just, He's stockpiling draft picks. Yeah. He is just stockpiling them. And he's making smart moves. And, you know, if you're a Dolphins fan, just hope it works out. Um, yeah. So, four in the top know. 50. The Dolphins have four in the top 50. Six, 18, 36, 50. Yeah. And that's insane. And then you pile that on top of what they have the years coming up. If they're smart, man, they are building around uh, to a. And they're going to make a. They're going to do all they can to put a talented team around him and give him his best chance to succeed. And I'm sorry, but if you're going to take a, a quarterback that high, that's what the hell you're supposed to do. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a Dolphins fan, you hope they stick with the formula that they're working with. You hope it works out. If you know if you're a fan in that division outside of the Dolphins, you hope it falls apart. But I, I just. Uh, <laughs> You know, I got a really close friend of mine that's a diehard Dolphins fan, so I'm pulling for him. I, I hope, uh, you know, they're able to put together a competitive team because, let's be honest, the Dolphins haven't really been competitive since um, uh, Marino. So, you know, I, I'm pulling for him. I hope it works out. And I think the, their GM right now 
man, if he hits on even just half of his draft picks, the dude is going to look like a genius and really secure himself one hell of a contract extension. Yeah, I agree. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I agree. I think he's doing it the right way. I mean, dropping back to six, like you said, he, he doesn't need to take a quarterback there. And whoever he wants is going to be there. He's going to get to a, one of the top three targets in the draft. He's either going to get the kid uh, Chase, he's either going to get um, Waddle, or he's going to get Smith. He's going to get one of the three. And, I mean, he's going to – it's going to improve the team. What he does with the other picks – I mean, I'm sure he's gonna like you. Like you said, if he if he hits on half of them, he looks like a genius, and he he's done it the right way. They're building through the draft. They started last year with Tua, and they're doing it in other ways. And you know that Tunsil trade. I mean, was a monster trade for them. <laughs> Destroyed the Texans, but monster yeah. for them. I mean, and I'm looking, and I I actually have this thing here for the Sunday Night Football put out. There's a team that's actually better stacked in this draft at the top of the draft than even the Dolphins are. Who's that? Dave, you got any guesses real quick? At the top of the draft? Yeah. Who who has more – who has better picks in the top 50 than the Dolphins? I can tell you right now. We're going to go three, two – Wait, eight, can I get a guess? One, if you're quick. Jacksonville. Yeah, you you, uh, you might have looked it up. I gave you too much. Time. No, I really did not look it up. I just know who has the first one, overall pick. They have the first pick, they have the 25th pick, they have the 33rd pick, and they have the 45th. So they're they're right there, too. They're, they have four in the top 50, um, four in the top 45, really. Um, Jackson, Jacksonville's got a lot more ground to make up than Miami does, though. They do, but they can make it up quickly. They're going to have a, a young studded quarterback, a young coach, um, and a bunch of money to spend, too. So they, they can turn it around quicker than people might think they can, and Tom Coughlin knows how to put a team together. Is he still? This might be a stupid question. I think he's still there. That's why I said that. I could be wrong. I, yeah, I don't think he. I'm gonna check. I'm not sure. I, I, I thought he left a couple years ago after that whole fining fiasco happened. No, no, is former former American football coach and executive. Let's yeah, see. I don't. I don't think he's there anymore. I'll look at the Wikipedia and find out. Left in 2019. I, I beat right, you to Wikipedia. So. I, I got Wikipedia on my memory here. There you go. So well, yeah. whoever whoever's following in the in those footsteps, he's doing a good job. But listen, those those moves and all those traffics were set up by moves that Coughlin did. So um, you know they they can turn it around quick. So I'm not mm. going to put it past them to do that. Uh, yeah. So I mean, there are some really shitty, some really shitty teams and shitty things in the draft, though. I mean, mm-hmm. there are th- three teams in particular. The Seahawks don't have their first pick in the draft until fifty-six. The Rams don't have their first pick in the draft until fifty-seven. I, I thought you were going to say three years from now. No, but it should be. And yeah. it, the Texans don't have their first pick until 67. So that, that's got to be what, round three, beginning around three? That sounds about right. Beginning around three because the comp- compensatory wow. picks don't yeah, kick in until the, the end of the it's third. The, it's the third pick in the third round. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. 
and you your your best chance of improving that in the draft is currently accused of not good things. So yeah, Trent Balky is the name of the Jaguars' current GM, who of course had his success with the Niners during the Harbaugh and um, Colin Kaepernick years. I have I might have what's a hot take right here, and I don't care. If I'm the Jets and I, I, I'm the GM of the Jets, I'm still trying to trade for Deshaun Watson right now. That's I not. Am, I am too, and the asking price has definitely dropped. You would think. I mean, listen, those guys in Houston are crazy, especially Nick Easterby. So I don't I'd trust still anything going first on. Rounders. I would take the chance. I'm, I'm not. I'm not Jets. against that. If I'm the Jets and just the Jets, I'm not saying every team out there who's looking for a QB should do this. But I think the Jets it should 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 make a splash. Do it. I'm gonna, I'm going to go one better because I agree with you they should still make a play for Watson. If you're not going to do that though, you need to go all in on Darnold this year. You need to trade that second overall draft pick, get some more draft picks and make this year's draft count because you have a legitimate chance to surround that guy with the best supporting cast he has had since he's been in the league, and now you got a real coaching staff around him who could actually develop him. And if he can, if you can get the best out of him this year, that's it. He's not your guy. You're done. But you got a chance to really see what you got in Darnold this year if you choose to stick with him. I disagree with you, and just for the simple reason. Compared to Zach Wilson? Listen, you're at least starting Zach Wilson on his first coach and his first GM. Sam Darnold has had multiple in his first couple years. Well, sucks. It is, it is not going to go well for Sam Darnold, regardless of like he's not going to come in and light it up this year with a new coaching staff. I think he's broken. I think he needs a reset somewhere else. If you want to see Sam Darnold be successful in the NFL? It's with another organization. Well, I mean, look at look at Ryan Tannehill. So you have you have evidence to support your theory there. I just want to point out a few months ago you were so down on the rest of the quarterback selections in this year's draft behind Lawrence. The garbage. I thought you were with me on this one. You're starting fresh with fresh garbage. It's a new fresh hell to deal with. (laughs) It's it's not the same crap. (laughs) You're not recycling the same Sam Darnold crap. You're at least trying something else. And as much as I don't think Wilson is going to be an NFL caliber, a Super Bowl winning quarterback in the NFL, I also think he could go out there and do what Sam Darnold could do for you too. So I don't think you're downgrading by taking Zach Wilson. I just think in order to get the most out of Darnold, he needs a fresh start somewhere else. I just, I listen. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with your with what you're saying, but I think by the fact that you have a guy who, at least on paper, looks like a legitimate NFL coach to me, you're putting him with a legitimate NFL coaching staff. There's nothing wrong with saying he could have his fresh start right here, just by having an actual NFL head coach, Dave, an actual me. NFL coordinator. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Uh, I didn't say anything. No, 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 no. We, no, we, 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 yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, look, I, I, I'm all for training for Deshaun Watson if I'm the Jets. Like either that or take the kid. Uh, ton, uh, who's the lineman coming out, Eric? My bad. Oh shit! You're putting you, me on. You know spot. who I'm. You know who I'm talking. Yeah, about. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, oh, I don't know but, who it is. Yeah, think, think about it. Get back to me. Whatever. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think if you're the Jets and you're going to build around Darnold, that's the guy you take. And, and you give him a, a solid player who, you know, after last year's first-round pick with the other tackle that they took, like, now you're making moves to build around your quarterback. Even if Darnold doesn't end up being the guy, you're still making moves to put a put a quarterback on the field that can have a chance. Rashawn Slater. Oh, okay. I see Penny C. I see Penny Sewell Sewell offensive tackle out of Oregon. That's who I was talking about. Okay. But either way, that's my point. Like you make that move if you're the Jets, if you're not going to push for that trade. Because right now the Texans are, I mean, unless we're all right with our tinfoil hat conspiracy from the other day of the fact that it's the Texans owner's friend just trying to make Deshaun Watson's life a living hell and not have any other teams interested in him. Outside of that, screw that. Make that trade. Get him on your team. New York media is even worse than you're going to get in Houston, but the NFL is all over the place now, so who cares? Yeah, it is, and we'll move off of this because the big story of the the last 48 hours, we knew it was coming because it got approved in the CBA last year. We knew the owners had the option, and now the owners made it official. 17-game season. They've been wanting this for a long time, and they finally got it. Now, I know you guys have certain feelings about Alvin Kamara's comments, And I will say that, you know, the Players Association, as much as it was a pretty split vote, they they did approve this. They did approve this. They approved it. They're getting more money out of it. That's really the only, the bottom line of it. They're they're not happy about it. But we all know this is what they're trending to, because they want to make more money, and the NFL makes more money by having more games. I want to, let me say this real quick, though. Here's the thing, though. As fans, this is great. Players Association gets more money. All right, fine. No, hang on. Well, let me get there. Let me get there. Um, I don't think this is great overall. And if you don't think it's great overall, too good. We agree. Because here's the thing, Eric, nobody has been more outspoken than you over the last six months with the idea that anytime the owners – and the commissioner says we care about player safety. We all know that's bullshit. And the fact that you're willing to increase the season to 17 games and put these guys' health in even more jeopardy than it already is on a game-in, game-out basis, you don't ever get to look anybody in the eye and say you're concerned about player safety again. Go ahead, Eric. No, but they never had the right to say that about player safety anyway. I know I've been yeah, but they the thought they months. did. I know I've been saying it the last six months, but you guys know me. I've been saying it since we were in the studio in Elizabeth. Sure. I've been screaming from the rooftops. I've been telling you guys. I know that they don't give one ounce of shit about the players' health or safety. They only care about the product on the field. Now, granted, a healthier player gets them a better product, but at the same time, they also know it's next man up and somebody else to come up too. So they only care to a certain extent, Mm. an extent that it hurts their wallet. And that's when they start arguing with the players over it. And then the players want, you know, what they want. And, you know, that's how the negotiations go. And it, it, it sucks because, to be honest, they should be cared about. But 
We all know they have more money than they know what to do with anyway, these players. So they could probably pay for their own health insurance if they had to. But honestly, this isn't for those guys who make millions and millions. This is for the guys who are in the league and are on the practice squad for five years or are on the are on the squad but don't really get in the game or get a snap or two here at the end when they're in a you know victory formation or, or play on special teams. The guys who don't make millions, that's the guys who really need the coverage and really need the assistance later in life. It's not the, it's not the Drew Breeses and Tom Brady's of the world, but they're the ones who run the show at the NFLPA, so it kind of sucks because the small guy doesn't have to say he should have, he, he should have in this situation. The NFL is 100% full of shit. Anytime they open their mouth and anything about health and safety comes out of it. You, I can guarantee you they don't care about that. All they care about is how fast can we get your money out of your wallet to pay for something else that we want to do. Like, mm. or, or we want to promote for you. That, that's all they care about. That's all they'll ever care about. It's a business. We look at it as fans, as a sport. And to us, it's fun. To them, it's a business. And they only look at it that way. Listen, I'm I'm always against expanding the season, expanding the playoffs, whatever it is. I always think it's a bad idea. I think you dilute the product. I think you put people at risk, and you know all the stuff that comes with that. So I, I didn't I've see, always does this been, come with that extra bye week because they're putting the extra game in. They're gonna have the bye weeks technically. I mean, you would think season or instead of a seventeen week season, it's gonna be an eighteen week season with seventeen games. I mean. I haven't heard that definitively. I know that was the original plan. All I've heard right now is the NFL has a formula to make it work. So I would like to hope that there's going to be a second bye week in here. I don't know that for sure yet, though. Dave, what do you say? Well, look, I mean, they definitely don't give a shit about player safety. They don't give a shit about, you know, anything other than making more money. And, you know, the players agree to it because they get to make more money, too. That's all it comes down to. And... On top of that, you add in the fact that, you know, they're getting these new TV contracts, which means, you know, Fox and CBS and NBC all get another game for the for the week, which means they get more advertising money and they get they're moving some to streaming, too. Yeah, like it's it's just it's a very simple concept of, hey, another game makes more money for everybody. That's all it boils down to. That's all that matters. And, you know, the. Go-to line, as Eric likes to say, is nothing stops the shield, and this is just another way for the shield to keep it going. Mm. I want to bring up one thing, though, because, listen, when this whole thing went down last year, I believe Aaron Rodgers was one of the most outspoken about it, against the deal. Um, We know how close that vote was last year. The number of the players did not want this. Now you got Alvin Kamara coming out and saying what he said, and a number of players agreed with him on social media. Eric, I don't know if this is how you feel, but it's definitely the the meme that you put out there. Did you feel he was whining about it, or did you feel he had a point? Hit me one more time with that question. Well, Kamara, his comments that he made earlier in the week against this. Oh, and I, I know you memes. I didn't actually see his comments. Well, I didn't really think he was whining. I just, I, if your point was that. You know, the time to make the arguments was before the vote, and after the vote, you really should be quiet. I get that. But anybody who comes out against this, <coughs> player-wise, 
I kind of I, I agree with them, and I think we all agree with them because but they're thinking about their safety. Just because they voted for it means that everybody, all the players, agreed to it. Is an improper statement because no, I wasn't making I wasn't making that statement. If anything, I was making the same statement that obviously, so yeah. Kamara is clearly one of the guys who disagree <coughs> with it, but had to go along with it anyway because enough of the players voted for it. Yeah. So he may not agree with it. So I don't think he should have to shut up about it if he's unhappy. You know, listen, there are plenty of athletes out there voicing how unhappy they are. He's just another one of them. Mm. Dave, what do you say? Uh, I have no problem with him saying anything. I mean, because obviously if you're voicing that opinion, you probably didn't vote for this and you didn't want it to happen and it still happened. So I'm not going to be mad at him for voicing his opinion. And I think when it's all said and done, like he's, he's entitled to his opinion. It's just not going to change anything. That, that's, that, that's the real, you know, the what it breaks down to. Nothing's going to change no matter how he feels about it. And, you know, if he wants to complain, he's more than welcome to, but. The the uh, the good old uh, New Orleans Saints pay his ass to play the games that are scheduled, and guess what? There's now an extra game on the schedule. Yeah, no, it's true, and for better or worse, it's it's going to happen again. I know this is something none of us really wanted, but we're here. We're here. Every, uh, all the fans, you know, should be happy with it. But us who kind of know a little bit about the inner workings, you know, it is what it is. So we'll move on here. I don't know if anybody has anything else next, football or otherwise related. Uh, didn't the Mets offer some dude like 10 years, $325 million or something like that? Yeah, uh, Francisco Lindor. Uh, Eric, I kind of want your opinions on this whole thing first before I go. Hold on, wait, wait, who gives a shit about that? I mean, that guy, he, he doesn't even want the money. He's not even signing it, you know? Let's talk about Aaron Judge, season time. Let's, is he going to be healthy? I don't know what's going on with this sickness he's had all week. You know? I mean, they said they said he's just under the weather. I mean, I think he is under um, Or is he under health and They don't want to say it. I don't know. I mean, it's possible, but I think at this point, something would have gotten out. He would have at least been put on the list because we're two days before the start of the season. Well, I'm wondering if maybe he had to, like, temporarily quarantine while he waited for his results or whatever. I don't I don't be, I, listen, it wouldn't overwhelmingly surprise me because they did say he's in health and safety protocols because everybody's being careful with it. But I, I, I think he'll be ready for the start of the season. The question is, does he get hurt in the first or the second game? I don't think he gets hurt at all. I think, they, I think they're going to have a, a better year. Well, I'm not going to say it all because he may go down for a couple of games. Who knows? Um, <laughs> for right now, though, he's at least going to start the season, so I'm happy about that. Happy that we're going to see Cole twice in the first five games. Um, hopefully it gets us off to a good start. And, yeah. So, I don't know. You want to talk about those bums on the other side of town, though? Oh, okay. You're coming in hot here. All right. Well, I mean, Cohen takes the guy to dinner. He wines and dines him. And then the guy, you know, pro, you know, pretty much well, I, he's being approved right now. I don't, I don't know. I think from what I've heard, Lindor gets offered ten years, three hundred twenty-five million by the Mets Just to counter. I'll say that. Well, yes, yes, thank you. He's putting back twelve years, three hundred eighty-five million dollars. It's actually less money annually than the Mets offer, but he wants twelve years. I mean, my thing is, I, I think they're going to reach an agreement before the beginning of the season. And I feel like the Mets kind of backed themselves into a corner here. 
because you tethered your entire offseason to the notion that we got this superstar player. And Eric, I feel like you know more about Lindor as a player than I do because I've really only seen him from a distance. Like, I've oh, never even had him. He's a, he's a top play shortstop. You're not going to be disappointed. Okay. I thank you for saying that. I've never even had him on a fantasy team. So I've really only heard about him through the wind, as it were, right now. But, you know, you tethered your entire offseason to the idea that we got the superstar talent. You didn't go higher on George Springer. We know why. Okay, fine. You went higher on Bauer, but you struck out on him because he wanted to stay on the West Coast. Okay, fine. You didn't, you, you offered $100 million to Real Muto. But you didn't want to wait as long as you thought he was going to wait to make a decision. So you signed James McCann. Okay, fine. You put close to $700 million on the table in player contracts, and you struck out on all of it. So one way or another, the entire offseason was rested on the fact that you got this guy Lindor, and he gave up just about nothing to get him. Like, I got no problem with what they gave up for him. But now you got to make it work. And I'll tell you this, Eric, what's the Yankee way? The Yankee way is you identify your guy. And when you identify your guy, you don't stop until you get your guy. Now, we've seen that under Cohen, the Mets are willing to put big money on the table. But they haven't gone for the throat and closed the deal the way the Yankees have it in the past. And it's going to be very interesting to see if they do, as you said, $325 million. When's the last time you ever thought that the Wilpons were going to give $325 million to a player? So if all you were trying to prove is that you could offer more money than the Wilpons, congratulations, you did that. Now, can you close this thing out so we can start the fucking season, please? What closes it out, though? I think 11 years, 350-something. I think you got to go to 11 years. Meet him in the middle. Uh, I got to be honest. The one thing I will say about Lindor is he's already 28. I've, I mean, yeah, we're splitting hairs here. I think he's 27, though. No, he's 20. Uh, he's going to be 28. I, I was listening to it today. And all right. So maybe you do something where, you know, I mean, you see all these contracts now. They all have outs in the middle of the contract anyway. So you maybe do something it. like so that. Yeah. But that's the thing is now are you talking like a Bauer type deal where you're front loading the contract with a shit ton of money and back a little bit of money and then this way you could get he could get out while making a shit ton of money in the first four years and then have an out to get away from you know or go somewhere else or get a better contract or do whatever or is it going to be something like I'm wondering what kind of contract it is. I mean that's all, the, all that structuring matters and how you pitch it to a player. Sure. And and all that. Like, it, it, it does. I mean, listen, Bauer, uh, we can all, I think, admit now he's probably going to be a disaster out there. <laughs> I, I I think that's that's a pretty fair bet. Yeah. And they just spent a shit ton of money, like $80 million in the next two years or some, something stupid. Uh, it's $45 million this year. Yeah, and then it's like another 40-something next year or something. Like he yeah, like yeah. A ridiculous amount in his first, like, two years. Yeah. But then after that, he can opt out or the team can opt out or whatever, but you've still already paid him all this money. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I would have to see what kind of contract it is, but I would look at a guy like Lindor, and I think 10 years is as much as I would go. I would up the money before I up the years because the back end of that deal is going to suck. Or, or well, not be very good anyway. 
I mean, well, you were. You, I mean, you you were getting on me about the the Yankees signing Lemayhu for four, what was it, five or six? The Yankees are going to get rid of are going to have less of Lemayhu than you are of Lindor. Did I and get on you for Lemayhu? I don't. Rem- a little bit, a little bit, because you thought that this, I think they gave him six years, and you thought that that was too long. Too well, long. I mean, I do, but I get why you did it. I, I do think but that's too long, time, but I get it. You're gonna you're gonna get the same out of Lindor, and you're paying Lindor a ton more money than we're paying to to Lemayhu, and you're the back end of that deal. His late thirties, you're gonna be paying him a lot of money. Like I said, unless you front load this deal, so if you cut him later, it doesn't cost you as much. Or well. Whatever. Here, here's here's my thing on that. So the way the Mets payroll is set after this year, Cano comes back on. We got him for two more years, unfortunately. I think the Grom's under contract for two more years, and McCann is under contract for four. Those are your only big dollar contracts as you of right now. To sign though. Syndergaard and Conforto, yeah, and I think they're prioritizing Conforto over Syndergaard, which I don't know if I'm crazy about that, but I get it. You don't want to prioritize the guy who's coming off a Tommy John surgery until you see what condition he's going to be in. I get that. So there's room there, and I think you can kind of front load it, like maybe not in the first couple years in the contract, but definitely like if it's a 10 and 11 year deal. Maybe not the first two years, but maybe those middle four years, you really pack some dollars in there, and then you give them an out after like six years or something. Dave, what do you think? I know you're not. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Guys. We're not going to talk balls and strikes with you, but as far as the contract goes, you hear a 28 year old getting signed or getting a contract offer for 10, he wants 12 in the three to 400 million dollar range for a guy who right now is 28 who's probably top two or three at his position and will project to be that for at least the next few years. What do you think about this deal? Do you think it's a, 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 met, a move the Mets should make? You know, do you think that at some point they got to stop or do you agree like Mike said, and they got to almost have that Yankee mentality of this is our guy. We went out and traded for him. We want him. We're going to do what it takes to sign him. So that's how I feel. I'm so, but like, if you want the guy, go get the guy. You, you do what you got to do when it's all said and done. You know, it, it's it, it's money they're gonna make head. You know, head over fucking heel by the by the time the contract's over. It's not yeah. gonna kill them. They're not gonna go bankrupt. They're not gonna lose the team. Like they'll be able to sign other guys they want to go sign. Like so, if that's the guy you want, go pay the damn guy. If he's asking for 12, you offered him 10. Like you said, let's see. Let's start at 11. See if you'll budge there. If you don't budge there, then fuck it. We'll give you the 12. Like, it is what it is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, to me, to me, it's one of those things where if it's a guy you have your heart set on, like, you go get him. Like, yeah. you don't bid, but you don't bid against yourself, which it doesn't sound like, you know, the Mets would be the only team interested in this guy. I'm just saying, like, just make sure you're oh, not no, I gotta, I got to be yourself. honest with you, Dave. He – He'd probably get it offered that contract from a couple different teams. Like he'd be in that range. I don't think the Mets are all overpaying him, but I think they're giving him close to probably what other teams would or his market value out there. Honestly, if he goes, if he, I, I'm sorry, Dave. If he goes, if he, I'm, I'm sorry, Dave. If he goes to free agency this offseason, some idiot team will give him four hundred million dollars. I disagree with that. 
I disagree with that. I think one of the short. There's a lot of shortstops coming up for uh, contracts after the season. But one of them is going to get four hundred million. I don't know. I but I, 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 I maybe, but I think next year, if he goes to free agency next year, you could see because there are a bunch of them going to be coming out there. Like we talked about five. If you add Lindor to that six really good shortstops, there aren't a ton of teams that offer monster contracts in baseball to begin with. So I got to say, I think that the market could be set slightly lower for those shortstops next year. I I mean, you might want to get his money now and set the bar where it's at. And then these guys can play off of his bar a little bit. But I I think that, uh, I don't know. Well, listen, I, you could be right, but it could also be a scenario where the first guy who signs sets the market and then each guy who signs after that tries to top it. So that's what I'm thinking. I mean, again, I could be wrong on that, but it wouldn't it wouldn't overwhelmingly surprise me. Like we all agree Fernando Tatis is going to be an amazing player. He signs for a 14 year old contract at the age of 22. Dude doesn't even have 300 career bats yet. Now, I do think that the Padres made a good move locking him up that long. But and I again, think he, that's I th- what you have to do with these young guys. If you know oh, sure. a young guy coming up that's going to be in the league for a while, and you can lock him up for long years and uh, a decent salary now, a uh, decent amount of money now, you do it. Because in five years from now, ten years from now, the contracts are going to be even bigger than they are now. That's that, absolutely while you can. And now you have Fernando Tatis, so he's 36. And if you want to drop him after he's 36, you don't feel so bad about it. Yeah. And you know, he's at the end of his prime, so he's not going to get a monster deal after that. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of locking these guys up early if you can. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think he still had four arbitration years left. I don't even think he went to arbitration yet. So you ain't going to get much earlier than that in terms of locking a guy up. But final point on Lindor and the Mets here, Uh, you know, to kind of piggyback off of what um, Dave said, you get your guy, you identify your guy, you, you don't stop until he's yours. It's also changing the culture. See, now the narrative around the Mets isn't that they don't want to give up the money. It's that they're in the mix for everyone. They're in the mix for everyone. They were in the mix for Springer. They were in the mix for Bauer. Is that really good enough? To just be in the mix, because I, I, I got to be honest, I got sick of just being in the mix a half hour, a half hour into the shit. I don't want to be no, in the mix anymore. Just fucking do mix. it. Just fucking do it. No, but you could, you could be in the mix. You just have to, when you identify your guy like you talked about, and Dave yeah. talked about, and I talked about, you've got to just get him. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You can mm-hmm. look around the market. You can shop. You can be in on other players and having conversations. That's what your front office is supposed to be doing. Be in on everybody. But when you identify that one guy who you think is the fit, stop it. Nothing to get him. You know what I'm. You know what I'm saying, though. The fact that we've heard the in the mix all off season, and now the guy that you traded for, the guy that you tethered, I don't want to be just in the mix with him. That's your guy. You said that was your guy. Fucking sign your guy. That's all there is to it. That, that, that's it. Being in the mix on everybody is great, but sooner or later you have to pop on somebody. It's the guy you need to pop on. Blow the load. And yeah, and the great thing about having Steve Cohen with his $14 billion, this ain't blowing the load. Because like Dave said, you're still going to have money left for others. 
But we could talk about this forever here. So does anybody have anything else they would like to bring up tonight? Anything else at all? I'm good. Good? Yeah, what, the Masters is next weekend, this weekend? Oh, I don't even know. Masters <laughs> is coming up at some point. I keep seeing commercials and shit for it, but I got to tell you, I'm not as interested in it as I usually am when Tiger's in it. Got to say. Well, what was it? It was two years ago he won, right? Yeah. Okay. But you look at, okay, four of the last five years, he really hasn't been an active part of it. So, like, did you still get, you know, I know you like the Masters and everything. Did you still get into it? No, but it's always one of those things I pay attention to. Or mm. try to, anyway. I mean, uh, the only thing I'd bring up tonight, Devils up 3-1 and Rangers down 2-1 to the Capitals. But uh, the Devils seem to own the Bruins, by the way, this year. I think the Devils are have played them like five times and beat them four out of five going into tonight. I think this would be like five out of six against the Bruins. The Bruins are a good team. They're 17-9-5 on the year. So just to bring up a little hockey on the show, I don't know if we got Shimoros in the chat. I, I haven't I, seen him. I got him or- think, though, that in the future, we're probably going to end up talking more hockey after that ESPN news because I've already – I don't know if you guys have noticed, but from just watching Sports Center, watching some of these other shows I watch, they're already talking more hockey. They're already having more highlights and, like – I'm already seeing a little bit of, more of an uptick. I know it's not a lot yet, but I, I have a feeling that you're going to see hockey get bigger and bigger with the ESPN exposure. How long until Stephen A. starts trying to talk about hockey like he knows what he's talking about, like he did with MMA? Uh, two weeks. <laughs> what do you think, Dave? I, I think Eric's being generous. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it starts tomorrow. Yeah, they put an extra Johnny, 50 like, Oh, that James Dolan. He's got another team I root for. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right to me. <laughs> Blasphemous. Blasphemous. That's, that's the old Jay Farrow imitation. Just throw out big words every now and then. That's Steve and I. All right. I guess that will do it for us here tonight. So thank you, everybody, for being with us tonight. Let's do some final thoughts here. Dave Hastings. Hey. Always a pleasure, my man, or gentleman, I should say. And, uh, yeah, till next week. Thank you, Dave. Awkward awkward news. I I just read this headline, kind of weird. Jazz flight turns back after striking flock of birds. I've seen this for, like, the last hour on ESPN. Yeah, I I don't even know why, other than someone thought it'd be funny. Grizzlies and ran into some birds. This is, it just gets weirder and weirder out there, I got to tell you. Yeah, it's I, the world I, we live in. Yeah. All right, Eric Tressler. Stay sweaty, guys. Stay sweaty, my friend. Yes. And thank you, everybody, for listening to us here tonight, everybody, on all our podcast affiliates, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. We thank you for listening to us, no matter how you're listening to us. For Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler, I am Mike Aglialoro. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you all next week.